0: We're gonna get underway this morning in Ephesians chapter 2. We're gonna begin in verse 15 and we're talking about the church. We've talked about the church glorious and how it is the church that is going to demonstrate the manifold wisdom of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, I want to read one verse as we start this morning and it's verse 15. And it talks about what was done through the suffering and the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That something was created in the earth that had never been there before. It was a new creature. And that new creature would be called the church. Um, God here, through the Apostle Paul, calls it the new man. And if you're born again, this is what you've become a part of. And so we're going through this series so that we can understand the church and how the church functions and how it operates. And so in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 15 it says, Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of two one new man, So making peace and the two is the Jews and the Gentiles. And so God desired, desired to bring salvation to all men through his son, Jesus Christ. And I want you to hear me very carefully because what we just read, I want it to stand out for you. Um, And the Bible expressly says this. We're going to look at it in a couple of other scriptures this morning. But individualism is fatal to spiritual growth and individualism is huge in America, um, it was it was it was part of our slogans as we came here to settle this country, and as our fathers would move into the wilderness and begin to settle untamed areas, you know, it was just this individualistic type life that we're going to go out there and we're going to take a piece of land and we're going to settle it and we're going to farm it and we're going to defend it. And men went out there on their own to do that alone. And and sometimes we we just really admire that type of spirit. But individualism is not what God saved you for. He did not save you to be isolated and withdrawn and set apart to yourself. It's fatal to spiritual growth. It's fatal to spiritual power, to light, and to life. There are many people today, even in evangelism, and there are many people that come to church all the time with this idea of salvation as it concerns me as an individual. If I get saved or if I trust in Jesus, then I won't have to go to hell when I die. I can go to heaven when I die. And it's just an individual matter. How can I save my soul? How can I live in eternity in a place of comfort and peace rather than a place of punishment and torment? And so in our in America particularly most of evangelism and christianity has been represented as an individualistic movement how can you save yourself and the concern is yourself and the concern is doing the best that you can do for yourself And when that becomes the, the, the presentation of Christianity, then when you get saved, life continues to be about you. What is good for me? What is convenient for me? What's gonna fit into my life? How are the things of God or even the church going to fit into my schedule? I can't have Jesus disrupting how I spend my time and what I do. And it becomes an individualistic matter. And as long as I can do these things and have this relationship with God so that I go to heaven when I die, then hey, I'm okay with that and I'm just going to try to coast through life that way. That is not the intention, that is not what is in the mind of God when he saved you. God is not concerned with just the individual alone. God is more concerned with the house that he's building. God is, God is more concerned with the new man. And you, as an individual, are supposed to take up a part of the new man. And you're supposed to function as a part of that new man. And I would submit to you that there is a majority of Christians today that do not have this concept or understand what church life is even all about. And so I pray that through these series we can we can learn more. When when God saves an individual and God offers salvation or the new birth to an individual, God's forethought in regards to that is the church, the new man. What you're going to be in the church, how you're going to fit in the church. You are the brick that I need for my temple. You are the elbow that I need for my body or the finger that I need for my body or the ear that's missing on my body. And God's thinking of you in that regard, not just the fact that, oh, good, so now when you die, you can spend eternity with me in heaven. No, I have a plan for you now that is going to bring glory for me in the earth. So in chapter 3, or chapter, if well, let's continue in chapter 2 just a little bit. He says this, and he talks about in verse 20, we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together grows unto a holy temple in the Lord. So this is God's mind that you're a part of my building. You're, 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 you're one of the bricks. You're, you're the door, you're the window, you're the doorknob, but you're part of my building. And if you don't recognize that, you're going to miss a major part of what you're saved for. And therefore, your Christianity is going to be way below par. Your joy, your victory, your power, your life is going to be way below what I intended for you. Because you're supposed to be a part of a house that I'm building. And what's the purpose of this house? He tells us in verse 21, it says, "...in whom all the building fitly framed together grows unto a holy temple in the Lord." In whom you also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. And I just would underline that word together. It takes the togetherness of the believers to be the habitation of God by the Holy Spirit. It takes that together. We're supposed to be together. We're supposed to be intimate. We're supposed to be not just a family where we call each other brother and sister, we're supposed to be one new man. And we're, we're supposed to be very, very intimate with God and with one another in our life. This is the intention of God. And Ephesians chapter three, going into this, I'm just going to read this in verse 21. It says, Unto him be glory in the church. By Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. And so through the church, Jesus Christ is supposed to have the glory in all ages. World without end. Amen. Whatever went on before us, whatever movement happened in the first century... Whatever moves of God happened throughout history, that was their day. This is our day. And if Jesus is to have the glory in this day, he has to have the church. It will not happen without the church. And if you're missing from the church, then to that degree, his glory is impaired. And I would remind you, if you would just look up into chapter 3, where he says in verse 10, that it is through the church that God's manifold wisdom is going to be demonstrated. Now, just a few more scriptures to solidify this point in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul records in verse 13, he says this, for by one spirit. Are we all baptized into one body? Are you with me? 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13. It says. For by one spirit. Are we all baptized into one body? Whether we be Jews or Gentiles. Whether we be bond or free. And have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member. You are. Are not the church by yourself. The body is not one member. But it is many. You're not the church by yourself. We are the church together. That's what makes up the church. It's not an individualistic thing. When you get born again and you come into the church. Your first preoccupied thought cannot be yourself. Do they love me? Do they accept me? Do they include me? Do they care about me? It cannot, you cannot be preoccupied with yourself. You have to be preoccupied with the glory of Jesus Christ. And that means his church. It has to occupy you. And the foot. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I'm not of the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Do you understand the point? Do you understand? I want you to just see how clearly this point is made. If you're born again, you were born again by the will of God and the grace of God for the purpose of God being able to create his new man. For God to be able to build his holy temple. And when you were born again and brought into Christ, you became a part of that body. You're an ear. Right? We just read it. You're an ear. Or you're an eye. Or you're a hand. Or you're a foot. And you cannot say, I'm not of the body. I don't want that kind of commitment. I I don't want that kind of obligation in my life. Or I don't like where God's put me in the body. I don't want to be close to anybody. That attitude is totally transposed, if you will, into an attitude of I need God and I need you. We need one another. And so I'm a part of a body. I recognize that in my life. And in in, in whatever way God has made me necessary to the body of Christ, I don't want to fail you because I don't want to jeopardize Jesus' glory in our generation. I am not moved to do what I do for a paycheck or for a position or for a title. I'm moved by this for the glory of the one who died for me and that I love. There are a lot of easier things and a lot more monetary fluid things that I could be doing rather than this and have a lot more peace in my life. I do this for his glory and God, when he saved you, saved you with the intent, I need you as a toe, I need you as a foot, I need you as an ear, I need you as an eye, don't fail me in my body. So, if if this is the church, what you're reading in First Corinthians chapter 12, how can we have a passive attitude about our role or our place in the body of Christ? If I'm a foot and I'm not there, how is the body going to walk? But you may say, well, I'm not a foot, so I'm not important to the body. No, 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 you can't say that. You cannot say that. The Holy Spirit just cuts that argument off and so we have to deal with this 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 kind of gets under our you know it's just like a burr in our saddle or whatever it might be because it kind of interferes with our lifestyle and that's not always pleasant to us but your lifestyle was interfered with right you were going away from god an enemy of god and going to hell and he rescued you. I would certainly say your lifestyle was interfered with. But not on your terms, his terms. He bought you with his blood. He owns you. He owns me. He bought us with his blood. And so this is what is brought out in First Corinthians chapter 12. It is the salvation of the individual that engages and occupies so many people. All they have in view is just their own personal salvation in the sense of forgiveness of sins and peace with God, the rudiments of the gospel. And they have been there in that state of salvation as they have lived in it, not understanding the church, but living in that state that when I die, I'll go to heaven. They have been in that state for 10 years, 20 years. 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. And today when you meet them and speak with them, they are no different than they were 50 years ago. Their spiritual measure is no different. Their intellect is different. They know more of the Bible. Their disciplines are different because of habit. They're they're more church-going. And through intellect and understanding disciplines of a church life, there might be more in their behavior of what is Christianity, but within the spirit and within the heart and within the life, there's no more power, there's no more life, there's no more influence than there was 30 years ago. The flesh has changed. The carnality has changed through education and participation. The friends have changed because of the community. But the Christ-likeness of the life is not much different. Because it demands, Ephesians chapter 4, it demands the body to grow. And if you'll turn back there to Ephesians, I would like for you to see this. He says in Ephesians chapter 4, Just talking with this, he says, when Jesus ascended, he gave gifts to men. He gave in verse 11, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So God gives these gifts, which we call the fivefold ministry. God gives these gifts to the church. The pastor, the prophet, the evangelist, the apostle, the teacher. He gives that to the church for this purpose that the church, the saints, can become perfected. They can work in the ministry of Christ and edify the body of Christ. Has that not been reversed in our society that we as a congregation like to hire professionals to do the ministry for us? When the intention of God is, no, I'm going to send to you fivefold ministry in your life to perfect you, to equip you to do the work, and to edify you in Christ. And that's where all the joy is, right? That, that's where all the activity is. You mean I get to participate. I get to do things, you know. Now, I, I see Chris over here, and he's gotten involved in prison ministry, and he's leading prison work for us and opening doors in prison ministry. And when I talk with Chris, he's floored by what the church is trusting him to do and what he's getting to do, and he's so humbled by this opportunity to serve God but when I'm around him, his joy, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say your joy in the Lord has increased with your ability to serve God. Is that true? It's not because he's getting to serve God more that he's, he's more burned out and less excited about God, but he's more excited about God because he gets, there's growth in his life. There's growth in his spirit And there's growth in his character as a result of being within the body and and being grown up by the body and sent out by the body. And many of you in here know what I'm talking about because it's the same with you. And you understand that. And so these gifts are given. And then he says this. We're to come, in verse 13, to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ... That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lay in wait to deceive. Rely in wait to deceive. This is going on. To Listen, just reading verses 13 and 14. When you are intimate with the body of Christ, there is protection for you. Against deception and winds of doctrines that will come from devils and men. The body of Christ will be a source of your protection. And so we're speaking the truth in love. In verse 15. That we might grow up into him in all things. So there's growth in our life. There's to be maturity in our life. How does this happen within the body? Verse 16. From the from whom the whole body fitly joined together. And compacted by that which every joint supplies. Just like right now. Your heart is pumping blood through your body. That blood is circulating through your arms, going into your fingertips. Your fingertips are giving that blood away just as fast as it received it, back into your body, circulating through your body, bringing nutrition and oxygen and health throughout your whole body so that you can be healthy. That is the same manner in which we as Christians grow in Christ. Through the fellowship of the body of Christ. Every joint supplying every joint. That means there has to be intimacy. There has to be this intimacy with the body of Christ where there's that influence of the Holy Spirit in my life and upon my life because of you. That I want you to know me. There are people that say, I want to go to a big church because in a big church, nobody knows you and, and, and you can just come and you can go. No, I I don't want to, I don't want a church like that. I want to be in a church where everybody knows everybody so we can protect each other. We can pray for each other. We can love each other. We can grow together in Christ and grow up in the Lord. It's not that a big church is bad if the Holy Spirit builds it. And the Holy Spirit is able to have that dynamic in the church. But just ask yourself that question. Number one, how am I receiving from the body? How am I receiving from the body so that I can grow, I can become equipped, I can do the work of God? And how am I blessing the body of Christ? Because God saved me to be a hand. He saved me to be a foot. He saved me to be an ear. He saved me to be an eye in his body that he's building. So how am I making the church better? By my place in it. Ask yourself those two questions. You'll find a lot about yourself. You'll you'll find a lot about your understanding of the church of Jesus Christ and all that it's entailing in our life. I want to go to, very quickly, I'm going to come back to Ephesians to close, but I want to go to Hebrews chapter 5. And I want you to see this with me. The Hebrews were, they were being shaken in their faith. They were being persecuted. They were facing torture, exile. They were losing their jobs. And so they were losing confidence in each other. They were losing confidence in their faith. And some were even tempted to go back. And dealing with this, Paul says in verse 12 of chapter 5, Hebrews. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And are become such as have need of milk and not of strong drink or meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So, so please, don't, don't come away from this passage thinking, okay, I've grown intellectually. I've taken some Bible study courses on particular subjects and now I can teach those courses because I have intellectually learned. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about growth that has come because you have exercised your senses to discern or to understand good and evil. That's a spiritual capacity. That's not a carnal capacity. And so many Christians today gauge their growth by their carnal capacity. But what does it matter, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, if we can know all mysteries or we can speak in the tongues of men and angels or even give our bodies to be burned and have not love? What does it profit us? And so it is the spiritual capacity of growth. And I'm going back to Ephesians 3 now. And he says this, this is Paul's prayer for this church. Verse 14 of chapter 3, says he prays to the Father for this. And he says, this is his prayer in verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. And that's the growth. That you're strengthened with might by the Holy Ghost In your inner man. And I hope you can hear my emphasis. That it's not your carnal capacities. It's your inner man. Your inner awareness and capacity to have fellowship and intimacy with Jesus Christ. And other people who are going to step on your toes. And offend you and do things wrong in your life. But because you have an inner man that has been strengthened by the Holy Spirit, you can continue. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, length, depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ. Which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. If our inner man is not growing. If our inner man is not growing the power is limited in how it can work in you. And that powers the Holy Spirit. If we're not growing in our inner man, that new man in Christ, which God has sent into your life, the fivefold ministry and the body of Christ to help your inner man grow. If that man is not growing, then the power of the Holy Spirit is limited in what he can do through your life. Think of what the Holy Spirit wants to do through your life. Think of the prayers that he wants to answer in your life. Think of the people he wants to save. Think of the people, the friends, the family that you know who needs deliverance in their life. That that, that you've been around for 15 years, 20 years, 30 years that need the power of God, but the power of God is limited through you or through me because that growth has not occurred in my life. And then the last verse, which we read earlier, 21, unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. This is how Jesus gets the glory by the Holy Spirit being able to work with power through his church. And the reason he can work through power in his church is not because people come and just receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit and can leave saying, oh, now I speak in tongues, which I'm all in favor for. But there's a lot of spirit-filled Christians that are in a lot of doctrines of devils and seducing spirits that have very little power in their life and fail to demonstrate Jesus Christ on any consistent basis of their life. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Jesus Christ coming out of you. I'm talking about walking in the truth and being able to discern. That show's not really accurate about Jesus Christ. Because I know him. I understand this. I'm intimate with him. I have this relationship with God. And power comes out of your life. To be able to affect this present age. Where Jesus Christ wants to have glory. In our generation. In 2023. Jesus Christ wants to have the glory. And, and, and right now. We are. Christians are marked on the FBI terrorist watch list, and there's there's districts in the United States of America just happened this past week that have banned the Bible from their public libraries. We are on the hills of a Marxist revolution. That happened in Russia when Russians said it could never happen here, and it did. We're, we're on the same trail. And there's no lack with God. The lack is where is a people that can walk with me, where, where I can move through with power through my life, where is that people? Where, where are the people who are not so self-absorbed, but they understand I saved them to become a part of my holy temple that I could inhabit and I could work through in their life. Where, where, where are my feet? Where are my hands? The, the elbow's not there. I got these hands that are ready to work. I got these hands that are ready to serve. But I saved this person over here to be the elbow in my body. But they're just not getting it. And they hardly participate. And they're not intimate with the body. Body of Christ. But if I could ever get that elbow in place, boy, that hand would just begin and the harvest would come in and all the multitudes of people and Baton Rouge's crime rate would decrease and human trafficking would decrease and the trans movement, they would start getting saved instead of killing themselves because I got hands that can touch them now. Oh, to God that we would see the body of Christ, what God wants to do. Oh, I pray that you would understand a little bit more about church. It's not like a movie I go to, and, but it's, you know, I just go and have a seat, observe, watch, and then I'm gone. No. It's infinitely more than that. And what an honor. What an honor to be a part of this. To be able to function in it. I didn't get to get into this part. But I'll allude to it. This body is not perfect. The people, and I'll I'll intend to do this next week. But the people that compose this body, they're saved, they're sanctified, they're glorified, they're perfected in Christ. But he's not working in us with power because we have been absolutely delivered from every struggle, temptation, lust, and sin. Because nobody in this room has. And nobody in history walking on the face of this earth ever was. Only Jesus was the perfect man. And that just simply says That God has built his holy temple. With ruined lives. Sinful lives. That he has sanctified through his blood. Put them together. And washes them in the blood of Jesus Christ. And though they have problems and troubles and struggles in their life. And though they may be acquainted with failure. God still uses them. And God still operates through them. You. Me. I hope to get into this next week, but Paul even says in Romans 14, who are you to judge another man's servant? The master of that servant will judge him. And so we have to be very careful that if the house is to be the habitation of the Holy Spirit, And the Holy Spirit wants to move through the house to glorify Jesus in the generation. And Baton Rouge is one of the worst cities to live in. And I I would pray to God that the churches of Jesus Christ would change that. Because politics isn't. The Holy Spirit wants to move through his house with power. I want to be in my place. I want to serve God through his grace and and I want to be very careful that I help you serve God and not harp upon the things that displease me about you or the faults that I find in your life and the faults that you find in my life. Because if we're going to be intimate, we're going to see a lot of flaws in each other. And my ability to shut you down, I am grieving and hindering the Holy Spirit from moving in your life. And so there must be the grace and the mercy and the power of God moving through what we recognize to be, if I could say it this way, imperfect people. Though we're perfected in Christ, we all know we're being changed and conformed to his image, and we're not there yet. But he still uses us. And for me to have this attitude, how could God ever use them? What an arrogant statement. What an absolutely foolish statement for for me to ever make. That very statement assumes that I'm better than them. And you and I are no better than anyone else. Only Jesus was perfect. And he has perfected us and wants to work through us. I want to close in prayer. Ethan's going to come and just sing a song for us. Minister, give you an opportunity to think and meditate on these things. And so I just want to ask you to do this for the next couple of minutes. Just meditate on this. Ask yourself that question. How am I benefiting from the body? Not intellectually, not through my carnal man, but how am I benefiting from the body? And how am I helping the body? Are there hands that are ready to serve God, but they can't because I'm the elbow and I'm not in my place? Let the Holy Spirit show you. No man can show you that. But let the Holy Spirit show you. Let him have his way. Because he saved you to be a member of a body. He didn't save you to just go to heaven when you die. But to be a member of something glorious and great. So for just the next couple of minutes. just These altars are open. If you want to come prayer. Just sit where you are. And meditate on this word. and your heart. Your life. Your spirit.